0: Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Billy, an EDS or Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome veteran of 10 years with other chronic conditions like POTS, that stands for Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome, talks about her chronic illnesses and the challenges that she's had controlling her pain or having her condition taken seriously in hospitals. Content warning, this might get graphic. Billy brings a refreshing and positive perspective around not diminishing your own experience or comparing yourself to people harder hit by life or circumstance. I'm excited to share that perspective with you here today on Intimate Interactions. Why do you think you're never going to get your shoulder repaired just because it's so hard to go into a hospital?
1: Well, just because they're just taking so long to get me to different specialists. Because like I fell in August of last year. Okay. <laughs> That's what happened. And I've been trying to do physio, um, like crazy. Cause I was using, so the whole story is I had a hip-, hip dislocation in my sleep and it dislocated in a way I had never dislocated it before. So normally it comes out the back, but somehow my entire leg had twisted and my femur was actually pushing out of the front of my leg.
0: Jesus. Uh.
1: So I dragged my ass over to physio, where my physiotherapist yelled at me and called an ambulance.
0: Oh my god!
1: She's like, I can feel your leg, like it's sticking out. Like, okay, shit. (laughs) And so while they were fixing that, they're like, I went to Delta Hospital. They treated me like shit. I ended up having to get go to Richmond to actually get help. Wow. Where they actually like X-rays and checked to make sure i hadn't ripped anything inside right and like palpated my hip and like moved my leg around and they're like it's still super unstable and like the joint itself is hot so um like leave it alone be on crutches do everything you can and not use your leg i was like okay fuck um so i was using a wheelchair and i was using um forearm crutches in the house and because i am in a two-story apartment i have to go upstairs every time i have to use the bathroom Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was going up the stairs on the crutches and I guess I wasn't quite on a stair and slipped and landed on my arm. Oh I separated my AC joint, like so my clavicle has completely separated (sighs) from my scapula. I tore and separated my labrum and then also ripped one of the ligament my inferior glenohumeral ligament, which is kind of like what keeps your arm in place. The injury I have only accounts for seven percent of shoulder instability they have no idea how I did it
0: (laughs) I I wow like so you couldn't see my hands literally on my head through most of that story but like (laughs) the idea of putting that much stress and shock on a joint for someone who has like EDS and I I don't actually know what pot stands for
1: postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome
0: oh my god so basically anytime
1: I'm not laying down I am tachycardic.
0: Right. So your heart is just struggling every time you're upright, basically.
1: Yep. I'm on a a heart medication that literally only reduces heart rate so that it doesn't drop my blood pressure because I have really low blood pressure. So instead of putting me on a beta blocker, which can stop tachycardia, they were scared that I would still be symptomatic. So I'm actually on a medication that just slows down heart rate. Mm -hmm. So normally it's only given to people in like end stage heart failure, right? um, And people with dysautonomia. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like an off. It's like an off-label use, but they realized like, hey, these people don't have crazy changes Mm -hmm. when they're on this medication. So been that on that for about I guess a little over a year now. So my resting heart rate has gone from 95 to 69.
0: That's um, really good. That sounds really positive.
1: Yeah. So I don't get as many dizzy spells. The summer always gets to me because it's summer. and It's yeah. hot. So my temperature regulation screws me up, mm-hmm. which is why my house is full of ice packs and air conditioners and fans because mm-hmm. I get hot and dizzy all the time yeah
0: that actually reminds me my window's open and i really should close it for the sake of the recording
1: sounds good i was like talking to my friends i'm like i'm scared i'm gonna sound stupid
0: you're definitely not <laughs> gonna sound stupid if there's one thing i think you aren't able to do it is sound stupid
1: uh the medications i'm on disagree
0: Ah. I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) And I acknowledge that insecurity. That's one
1: of the reasons I'm not working because like me plus opiates equals like memory of a squirrel. Cliff will tell me something like a few hours later, I'll be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, really? We had a full conversation. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Hard to do my job when my brain doesn't work.
0: Yeah, no, I completely respect that. Okay, so we can probably use most of, the, um, most of the tape from the first part where we were just talking. Um, I can edit that together um, because it's all valid and like important stuff in, on the topic of accessing healthcare.
1: True. Because the healthcare system in Canada is so great in many ways. When it comes to the chronically ill, everyone kind of just puts their hands in the air like, uh-oh, what do we do?
0: Like, mm-hmm.
1: there's no cure, so whatever
0: right exactly it's so i found that attitude um when i was um accessing uh short-term assessment and treatment or stat okay uh, um and stat is like a form of mental health service that is available to folks on a short-term basis not an ongoing basis so the idea is you come in and you essentially go through like training in terms of how to manage a mental illness and it either takes or it doesn't take and then after about a year you can access the service again but it's sort of like here's us giving you what we can give you but we also don't want you to become dependent on us so you're sort of temporarily cut off while you do your own work and sort of process and absorb and apply what we've taught you oh wow it's a neat it's a neat approach i don't disagree with the approach i think a little more counseling support might be better but they do have 10 sessions which is not enough for folks that need to go weekly
1: oh yeah that's hard and like especially just accessing any mental health care without going bankrupt right is so difficult they don't make it easy
0: right well the funny thing is like group therapy in my experience of it in Richmond here, like in the Vancouver coastal health region has been really excellent. Um, Like, and I get that like everybody needs something a little different, but I literally went to my GP my GP was like, I can give you a psychiatrist referral. Um, I can give you a referral to Richmond general outpatient psych, and they can get you started on stat stuff, which includes like group counseling and it includes individual counseling Um, Is that of interest to you? And I was like, those are absolutely both of interest to me. And he's like, and I can get you started on a medication. Um, I gave him what I thought I needed and he sort of gave me some options. And then I said, I'd go do some research. And then I came back and was like, yep, I actually really do agree with what you originally said I should take. And then I took it and I was very fortunate in that it worked as as described So I'm, which is uncommon. Like usually you go through a maze of trying to find the right medication, but no, my story is like the poster child for how it ideally would work. But ironically, knowing that I had like lifelong depression, there was a thought of like, we could start you on sertraline, add bupropion later. Um, you know, if you're, if you're resistant to that, or we could just start you on this new medication. That's like, not just an SSRI. It also like it binds receptors or something to be honest they're not 100 percent sure how it works but they call it a serotonin modulator
1: okay. which is really oh, strange
0: because you'd think it would just be an ssri and it does have ssri activity but they call it a serotonin modulator i, I don't know why you can wikipedia uh, trintelix or vortioxetine but usually okay
1: yeah it's like they would really have to i wonder if it's going to be one that makes serotonin syndrome less common in people with On
0: antidepressants yeah it's it's super super fascinating Um, I'm on the lowest therapeutic dose and it's working as as described it's supposed to be like a second tier antidepressant that you use for people that are resistant to like sort of the first tier because most people will get started on something like sertraline or um, you know one of the other similar SSRIs yeah Um, and then if that doesn't work sometimes ladbupropion and if that doesn't work then they go up to like this other tier um like vortioxetine and uh i just got started directly on vortioxetine and honestly like no side effects for me which is absurd i i I don't even know how to describe how lucky i've been
1: that's so awesome
0: yeah i'm yeah
1: it just it's just getting harder and harder with just the amount of medications that i'm on now um because I'm technically on a tricyclic antidepressant, but it's actually for my nerve pain. Oh, fuck. So it really, like, starts to reduce the options I have for actual mental health stuff so, if I were to ever require it. So I'm, I do. I'm,
0: I'm also <laughs> but, on a tricyclic antidepressant, and it just makes me tired and doesn't do anything for my symptoms.
1: Yeah, I'm on 75 milligrams of nortriptyline, so... um.
0: That is it's supposed, ridiculous.
1: It's supposed to reduce my migraines. Ha, 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 ha. Um, and also help with my nerve pain. And then I also take Lyrica, so pregabalin on top of that. And one of my migraine meds all can lead to serotonin sickness. So That's one, so yeah, frustrating. put me on tramadol for a little bit and I started feeling really weird. And I was like, right. Mm, and then I looked into it and I was like, oh, yeah, like I can't be taking all of these together. So instead of tramadol, I'm on Percocet now, which I don't really like oh. uh, because it's a very strong opiate. Yeah. Uh, but it helps my pain. So I don't right. want to not take it. You know, it's one of those things where I can be stupid and not feel horrible or be smart and be in tons of pain. Like, wow! Those are my choices.
0: So it's so, like all of the issues of being a teenage nerd amplified a thousand times.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: I'm, I'm like, so sorry to hear that.
1: Medical, like the amount of medical marijuana I go through now is just like disturbing. Yeah, fifteen-year-old me would have been so mad because fifteen-year-old me was never going to smoke marijuana.
0: Right. I remember having that outlook. I still don't really smoke any, but I occasionally have um, like baked goods. And I find that like the way that they like get into my body and just help my whole body come to a place of not experiencing anxiety is really strange.
1: Yeah. um, Actually, the BC Cannabis website has a lot of really good options um, for like half and half cbd and thc and then like low thc higher cbd and that kind of stuff like pills and oils Mm. that are really good um i'm a really strange person and only like about three desserts so when it it comes to like edible brownies and like cakes and cookies i'm like ew (laughs) i don't want that so i literally buy like 30 ml bottles And it's in MCT oil, which is basically like coconut oil that's been split down. And they just take the MCT oil out of that Mm -hmm. uh, and then mix with cannabis oil. It doesn't taste great, but you literally just, it's got a little syringe and you just pop it in your mouth. And, you know, drink some orange juice or something that will cover the taste. (laughs) And you're good to go. Cool. Yeah, well, the one I have right now is called Raindrops and it's 15 milligrams. Yeah. THC and fifteen milligrams C B D. So it's a one to one. Neat. And I find it like really, really good. Uh, like it's low, so I don't get super stoned off it or anything, mm-hmm. but I can actually sleep and relax and all that good
0: stuff. That's great. I so I was gonna ask, um, since we're talking about accessing healthcare, um, and thank you for the resource for the um the B C cannabis website. Did you know what the URL is for that?
1: BC Cannabis Awesome. And right Right now you have to pick it up at the post office Mm -hmm. uh, because of the whole signing for it thing. You have to give ID, but like, it's so fast. It's like two days shipping. That's great.
0: I'm really happy to hear that. So I wanted to talk. Yeah, it might
1: give you some options on the lower, lower dose kind of stuff.
0: Absolutely. And there's so much Ritzy stuff out there that's super expensive.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I found some really good deals on BC cannabis, surprisingly. Good. I'm really glad to hear that.
0: Um, yeah. Serotonin syndrome is just so frustrating because it's like all the medicines that are supposed to make you well are also making you sick and you just have to like balance yeah. pros and cons.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting situation. That's for sure. I re- actually recently reduced the, um, I was used to be on a hundred milligrams. Mm-hmm. And my doctor did not look into how to do it correctly.
0: And I don't know
1: why I just trusted him. He dropped me 25 milligrams in a day. That's,
0: that's ruthless.
1: I got so sick. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was like freaking out. I went to the pharmacy at about day six, like sweating and fully deranged. Mm -hmm. And I was like, excuse me, pharmacist. Can I talk to you about something? And he's like, yeah. And he was like, I was like, when it comes to nortriptyline, what's the safest amount to decrease by? And he said, well, normally what you want to do, realistically, it's impossible. It's like one milligram a day. So we say, go down by five, wait three days, go down by another five, like kind of thing. And I was like, so 25 milligrams in one day. And he's like, oh my God. I was like, six days ago. And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, (laughs) not particularly. He's like... Well, the good news is, is if you're at day six, you've gone through the worst of it. Don't take any more. I was like, okay. So I got through it, but it was not nice to be sent into unexpected withdrawal.
0: Yeah. I feel like every story you have is like five to 10 times worse than, than anything I can relate with. Not that it's a competition at all. And I am genuinely grateful (laughs) that's the case.
1: But you know what? Everybody has a different situation, different. Like when people say to me, like, oh, I hurt myself and I can't talk to you about it because you have this. And I'm like, but your worst is your worst moment. What you're feeling is horrible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what I'm feeling. Your body is telling you right now that it needs you and you're not doing well. Right. Mine just happens to do it a little bit more frequently, but that doesn't make it any different at all.
0: That's a, like, a really positive. Don't ever
1: diminish what you're going through because someone has it worse. Because yes, empathy and everything is important, but you can't let yourself feel bad for what you have happening. I can't sit here and blame myself that my genes are wrong. Yeah, It's not going to get me. But I need to, I need to have a grieving process for that too. Right. So that's what I always say to my friends. I'm like, never, never, never compare what you're going through to what I'm going through. Like, don't do that to yourself. It doesn't matter. You're having a bad time. It's your bad time. And I will be here for you Mm -hmm. no matter what you need. I'm like, I may do it in a lazy way, (laughs) but (laughs) I will be here. (laughs) Like I can chat. I can call. I I can't run out and go see you, but I will do what I can.
0: (laughs) That That is just such a warm and kind outlook. So thank you for that. So thinking about TCAs, because my experience of amitriptyline is that it just makes me really tired, and and it's not just that I'm tired, because like I can drink coffee, I can get through the day, um, but like getting out of bed in the morning, my God, I went up to twenty milligrams, just twenty milligrams of of amitriptyline, and it was like, it was like, I I never really understood the phrase hauling my ass out of bed. But it really did feel like I was hauling to try and get myself away from the pillow. And it was like, if I didn't make it into an upright seated position, there's no way for me to not go back to the pillow and go back to sleep. It didn't matter if I was like, you know, on all fours. I needed to be in an upright seated position against a hard surface. And even then, it was all I could do to resist the the really serious weight pulling me down towards the bed. It was just like, no, you have to get up. You have things you have to do. And I like, I missed appointments, like, which is not that new for me, but it was, it was a bad experience of amitriptyline.
1: Yeah. It's, it's almost like a cloud over you when you wake up, like there's a haze, Yeah, you know, you don't feel like you're alert or anything. I have to be really careful waking up because after being ortho like laying down for eight hours, the- once I have to come up into that orthostatic position, right, right. my body's completely forgotten how to put my blood back to my brain. So, like, luckily in a sense, I have to stay in bed for a little while when I wake <laughs>
0: up,
1: because otherwise, I'm sure I would be super annoyed by the nortriptoline because I get that cloudy heavy eyelid fog feeling yeah but I also have to just like build myself up to getting up because like Mm -hmm. I get up I immediately get onto my couch because I don't like to wake my husband up so while I'm flat I drink at least one Gatorade or take my salt stick pills Mm -hmm. and drink at least 500 milliliters of water and then I can sit upright (laughs) and then now i get to sit like a normal person and then i drink more fluids yeah and then if i plans for the day that's when you get the compression stockings on and that whole thing <laughs> and so i can walk around but so i guess i'm kind of lucky when it comes to my medications cuz my body doesn't really let me do things anyway
0: <laughs> oh my <laughs> so, goodness that is a really positive <laughs> way to look at that situation
1: uh, yeah. Some people say I'm like overly positive about my situation, but I also can't let it destroy me. Yeah. Mentally. Yeah. Because and what?
0: Yeah. That would, but, that would just, I mean, it's like one of the few things you have control of in your life. It makes sense that you go to that place of control and find a life worth living for.
1: Exactly. Like there's lots I can't do, but there's a lot that I can do. I know it's super silly, but even in playing my little video games, since I can't work right now, I just like go on the internet and find other people that play it and I just help them because I can. I've played long enough that I have all these things to give away and I just go, oh, you're looking for this? Here you go. Like I can brighten people's day from my couch at the very least. That's awesome.
0: Um. Yeah, I definitely have found myself doing a lot more volunteering. Um, I do volunteer with, with several different places. It's harder now with COVID, but uh, I'm I'm curious if you have any tips because we'll touch on like the psychology of being really sick in a different session, but I'm curious if you have any tips about strategies you've used to be more successful with doctors when you have a chronic illness.
1: Uh, mostly just like honestly being prepared. Um I have a binder with diagnoses, imaging, uh, any information kind of that they've been willing to hand over. That's not just in my file for them. Mm-hmm. And then also I know doctors hate it, but knowing my condition, like right through, and through I have a binder that literally just says Billy's EDS book. And I have, printed medical articles for almost every situation that you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, right here. So for example, my EDS binder has classifications so the different types of EDS, mm-hmm. specifically hypermobility, an article on mast cells and how they affect people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome,
0: mm-hmm.
1: chronic fatigue, pain management, pediatric and psychological, gastrointestinal, orthopedic, oral and mandibular and neuro and spine. So I bring those in and if I have, I'm having issues with, well, like say, for example, with my shoulder right now, I bring in the orthopedic article with highlights. I have a copy for them and a copy for me. And I show like, this is what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. These are what I've tried already because in the orthopedic one, obviously conservative methods are the best. You know, you Mm want to make sure that you're doing your exercises and doing whatever you can to avoid surgery. Unfortunately, I can't at this point, Mm -hmm. Um, but just showing like, okay, I understand what's going on. This is the work I've put in because it's, you're showing that you're not just in there being like, oh, I don't feel good. Like, make me feel better. Right. Like, I know it's, a, it's my shoulder. I know exactly where the pain is. I can, like, I've memorized body parts and things. So, like, I'll go into my phys- physiotherapist and be like, I'm having issues with my ulnar nerve. And she's like, perfect, let's work on it. You know, <laughs> it's, if you're having an issue with something, it's really good to, to know your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and then you're also prepared. When the doctor is wrong, and it happens, yeah, and they it don't like, it. and it, you know that way you can fight for like what's going on. Because um, I've had issues with my doctor before when I was coming in and saying like, my shoulder hurts, my shoulder hurts, my shoulder mm-hmm. hurts, and he's like, okay, and so he did an ultrasound, which is a very effective in EDS because we're weird, okay, and. Um, just like the the areas I'm having issues with, there's no way to get an ultrasound to it. You you can't see a labrum with an ultrasound machine. There's just too much bone and stuff. Okay. So I just kind of kept saying to him, like instead of my shoulder, I was like, okay, in between this and this is where I'm having the issue. I'm like, and when I got my MRI results, I was almost exactly right. I was like, I think it's, one of my glenohumeral ligaments. (laughs) And he was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Finally, I got the referral to the um, orthopedic surgeon. And even she wasn't very familiar with EDS. And I kind of expect that now. It's a weird condition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went in and I just said to her, I'm like, this is what's going on. This is how I felt. And, went over everything um she during the examination she almost dislocated my shoulder so she luckily immediately recognized that there was instability whereas my regular gp would just kind of like look at it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and be like yeah it's a shoulder right whereas you know i walk in the orthopedic surgeon and it's immi- immediately she's like well i can see your sulcus sign which basically shows without anything that a shoulder's unstable right and then that's when she like started examining and she was like, wow, I just had to stop myself because I could feel your arm popping out. And I was like, yeah, that happens. And she was like, okay, like you need an MRI. We need to do this, this, this. I'm like, "Right." finally, because sometimes it's just even getting that referral from your GP mm-hmm. that can be so hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, that orthopedic surgeon is scared of EDS and she doesn't want to cut me open. So she's sending me to another surgeon. Mm-hmm. She said that she's going to have a, a round table with a few different ones and just kind of be like, this is the case. Is anyone willing to take her on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hopefully the answer is yes. It's
0: it's honestly, um, I really like when doctors uh, know their limitations and are willing to say like, I don't think I can provide you what you need.
1: Yeah, absolutely. She was like, uh, she, she said if it was like a small tear and she could do laparoscopic She would be fine, but she thinks they need to fully open my shoulder from like the top of my shoulder down to under my armpit. Oh Jesus! Get in that way. Uh, So she was like, "Yeah, then we're dealing with fragile tissue." And she's like, "I just, I haven't done it, so I don't want to do it." And I'm like, "Understandable.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to force you to destroy my shoulder if you're scared that that's what's going to
0: happen. Right?
1: (laughs) Rather you just not."
0: Yeah. Well, and then at least if the doctor that does take it on fucks up, you know that a lot of good surgeons did pass on it because they knew it was outside of their skill set. So that's something.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's one of those situations where you know it would be nice to be in the U.S. if I was rich, mm-hmm. because then I would just buy the best surgeon. If you're rich, what yeah. You do there? Right. Right. Yeah. You just buy your way through the medical system, <laughs> and like. Meanwhile, here, it's, like, priorities. I'm low because I'm not, like, strapped to my bed. Right. But, like, I can't work. So, yeah, it's, like, you guys are affecting me mentally because not having work makes me feel like a waste of space, which is obviously something that people shouldn't feel just because they have a disability, and I'm working on that. Yeah. But it's, like... Well, I don't do anything. I don't work. I don't <laughs> contribute, you know, fully. Well, like, I do what I can, but especially with COVID, like, I can't even, like you were saying, volunteering is really difficult. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, anything else. It's important to have, like, your information ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, we can't right now because of COVID, but bring an advocate. Oh,
0: my God. Somebody I am, yes, 100 100 wizard god, yes. Bring an advocate.
1: Because you want someone there to listen to how the situation unfolds. (laughs) Because, like, sometimes when I have to talk about what I'm going through, obviously I get teary and I get a little upset. So when I'm trying to talk to my doctor, and then I'm just, like, trying to stop a meltdown, I just won't talk because I'm now like stressed out about it Mm -hmm. like whereas last year when the fall happened my mom actually was the one who took me in the second time I think like to see my GP and he was kind of like listening and caring but then there was like a little bit of uh you know same old same old Billy's in pain and my mom just was like this girl has more like a higher pain tolerance anyone I've ever met in my life she's like if you saw her as a kid she would like fall off like out of a tree get up and run it off mm-hmm. like nothing would stop her and then a little dig at my brother very difficult <laughs> <the situation. clears throat>
0: you gotta <clears to> take a, <throat> a dig at your brother
1: he's a little he's a little you know weaker than me it's fine <laughs> um, <laughs> well when he was a kid anyway everything was horrible (laughs) and um but like I was just like one of those kids you couldn't hurt I fell through my trampoline spun my leg backwards and like went over it and had to be pulled out of the springs that were digging into my flesh of my thigh and just got up and like walked it off I was like whoops wow (laughs) It's like that was painful, dilly dilly. And um, so my mom basically just argued with my doctor and was like, "Seriously, like you can do anything to this girl and she will not complain." And she's telling you she's in pain. It means she's in pain. And he was like, "Oh." And it kind of just like having another person be like, "No, I'm serious." Like, right? Throw, throw a soccer ball at her face. Like she won't even cry. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> And I always have to remind my friends, too, that they'll ask me something. Like, it was so cute. My friend and I were trying to talk about ways of reducing plastic waste in re- the situation of, like, shaving your mm-hmm. legs. And, stuff. and I was like, well, I use an epilator. And it's, like, literally a machine with a bunch of tweezers that rip your leg hair out. Right. It just spins and goes da 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 And... So I was like, "That's what I use," and it reduces my waste because all I'm doing is ripping the leg hairs out of my leg. Right. It's like, "Oh my god, that's amazing! Does it hurt?" <laughs> like, I mean, I guess it stings, like, but you're asking someone with a very different pain scale, right. If a slight irritation is painful, right? <laughs> like, um, so the like way my- I
0: the way I convinced my doctor, um, just to sort of jump in with my own thing. Um,
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. As long as that's okay. I yeah, I I basically told my doctor, like, do you know what I did? Like literally last week, I went and got a decorative cutting. Do you know what that entails? It entails someone with a with a scalpel and some disinfectant, essentially disinfecting the area that you're going to cut and then tracing a pattern onto it with ink, and then cutting that pattern into your flesh without an anesthetic. I'm like, I did that and I would place that at like, probably a seven out of 10, peaking up to a nine out of 10 in specific instantaneous moments. But I'm like, that was tolerable for me because I have a different pain scale. And when I tell you that this headache was a nine out of 10, that's the most painful thing I've ever described in my entire life ever. Like it's literally the most pain I've ever experienced up in every moment of my life, including getting a cactus spine injected into a joint and having to go get um, it's, uh, surgery, uh, general surgery at, at emergency, like including any injuries I've ever gotten. This headache was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. And it was like, she didn't really understand or believe me up until I sort of, described what a decorative cutting was and then she like looked like she was almost queasy listening to me and just wanted me to stop talking about it.
1: Yeah, like I when I got my rib tattoo, mm. uh, I just got like a big black dragonfly. It's like a splatter. Looks like a watercolor.
0: Beautiful. And, Sounds painful.
1: Uh Apparently, I guess that's what everyone said. They're like, your very first tattoo, and you're going to get it across your ribs. And I was like, yep. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, why not? I'm like, it's easy to hide, but I know it's there. Mm-hmm. And that's my bad side. So I like to decorate my bad side, because I need reasons to like it. <laughs> and so, um, funny thing is, is there's actually a an audio wave hidden in the tail of the dragonfly. Aww. And... Uh, It's from my favorite band I went and saw them live And I did meet and greet And I asked the lead singer to sing the line Into my phone I took that line I took the waves of the audio I made it fit And then I got it tattooed That's really cool So what it says Is Precious little whore of a body
0: Precious little whore of a body
1: Yep Because my body can be very mean to me but it's my precious little whore of the body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I told them that story and the band was like talking to me and they're like, that's so inspiring. You've changed that song for us. I was like, Oh my God. So I'm getting this tattoo and even the guy doing it, he's like, this is your first tattoo. I'm like, yep. And he's like on your ribs. I'm like, yep. <laughs> and I was like, I do have to warn you. And he was like, what? I was like, don't, too hard on my ribs, or they will move. I'm like, if you're expecting it, it's fine. I just don't want you to screw up my tattoo because one of my ribs ta- dislocates.
0: Right, which so is staring at me. which is not like what? the usual concern. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. During this tattoo appointment, can you just make sure you don't dislocate any ribs? Like, okay. Um, so
0: and your concern, super- your concern wasn't that then you'd have a dislocated rib. It was like, no, then you're gonna screw up my tattoo
1: it 100 percent was <laughs> so i was like all right so he starts doing it and like he's doing thick lines and all this kind of different stuff and i'm like waiting for this pain that's supposed to come right mm-hmm. because everyone's like it hurts so bad i'm like okay and i'm waiting and i'm waiting and i'm waiting and then all of a sudden the tattoo artist is like well, we're done. You've been asleep for about 45 minutes and have a great day. I was like, "Oh, my bad."
0: <laughs> so,
1: I'm getting this big, big black tattoo and I just went to sleep.
0: Yeah. Cuz you know, <laughs> why would it be painful getting a tattoo over bone?
1: I was like he's like, "How did she sleep through it?" And I was like, "Dude, I've slept through worse. (laughs) I have this shirt.
0: Just on that note, I have this shirt of Lapis Lazuli from Steven Universe. And it's the picture of her crying with um, like when Blue Diamond induces deep sadness and she's crying. She literally brushes the tear away and is like, I felt worse.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's perfect.
0: I just I loved having it. sorry go ahead
1: i got this shirt that's like a beautiful unicorn and then underneath this is life is pain <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like accurate
0: let's um let's call the session there and then we'll come back and do another one that focuses on psychology of being really sick
1: sounds good hopefully got
0: a little bit of something there absolutely thank you so much for doing the session with me billy
1: I'm thankful that you asked me to. That's so sweet of you. Yeah, and I, I just like in general the Fraser Health authority it just frustrates me, just I've had a lot of issues with doctors and stuff in that system. So my doctor's actually in Richmond. I actually do everything in coastal health despite the fact that I live in Delta because I hate dealing with Fraser Health.
0: That's amazing. Like, um I
1: very Delta much Delta Hospital is like the reason was like the first thorn. And the amount of times that like I have left there more upset and it worse off than I went there. I'm like, ugh, I can't deal with them anymore. Right. <laughs> I will like deliberately come to Richmond hospital when I'm having issues because they'll actually treat me like a person.
0: I'm, I'm really sorry to hear it's that hard to get good access. So well, it's
1: just, they always try and argue with me about my condition when it's like something I'm not even there about. Right. Like, I was there th- three weeks or I guess a little over a month ago um, so because I've been on so many medications and my sleep's been really screwed up and all this stuff, I aspirated stomach acid oh Jesus. A couple weeks back um, I was sleeping I woke up I was coughing I was choking I almost threw up on myself I was in the bathroom like coughing and throwing up for almost an hour Jesus and like literally coughing up pills like I was like oh my god like did any of that get in my freaking lungs and then the next day I was really struggling to breathe and I was like oh no did I give myself pneumonia like let's hope not still felt sick the next day went to the hospital blah, blah blah forced to get a COVID test which I understand sure because it was respiration right and like I'm trying to explain what's going on and the doctor's like, so you said you have EDS. I'm like, yes. Like, what kind? Or like, what type? Or I said, I have hypermobile EDS. He said, well, what what, what type do you have? And I was like, hypermobile, which is why I said hypermobile, Ehlers-Danlos. Right. He's like, no, but what type? And I was like, okay. So 10 plus years ago, it was type three, but that's not used anymore. Right. Even when I was diagnosed, it wasn't used anymore. <laughs> and I was like, so, and then he's like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. like, just like trying to tell me all these things that happen with my condition. And I'm like, okay, whatever. He's like, anything else? Cause, you know, EDS usually comes with other problems. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. He's like, yeah, that's common in like two or three of them, isn't it? I'm like, actually, uh, most of them now and i was like and there's 13 now instead of six yeah and he's like hmm hmm, yeah yeah like he just wanted to act like he knew everything which is
0: the worst thing a doctor can do about something they don't actually know a lot about
1: yeah it was just weird and like the way that he was like kind of arguing with me about it was kind of weird i was just like that's not what i am here about at all I'm like you just listen to my lungs and do the swab like right <laughs> it's so ridiculous because no urgent care would take me because i was coughing right right so, of course i wasn't allowed to go anywhere i had to go to the hospital
0: so how was it intimates did you love something you heard or maybe you're upset by something i said leave your comments on facebook.com intimate interactions or you can go to patreon.com Salmon, where you can find our discord server all of these communities are available on IntimatePodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful. It's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of intimate interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.